Welcome to today's show, and our guest is none other than Rob Haynes. We, Rob Haynes is back with uh, the League of Beers. <laughs> what happened there, Rob? Um, well, I mean, to a lot of people, lockdown happened, and that's one of those things. <laughs> um, so, uh, let me give a quick refresher. So, we, and Zerka and I, with Marnie of Blood Liquors, uh, started League of Beers in 2012. Um, almost exactly a year later, it was purchased by Yappy Chef. And then we joined Yappy Chef with the goal to expand craft beer in South Africa as much as we possibly could. And so we were doing stuff with the Yappy Chef on the alcohol side, on getting their gin up and running, wine, tequila, whiskey, all these other good things. But the, the primary focus for those first couple of years was League of Beers and Craft Beer South Africa. Um, we had the opportunity to do League of Beers in other countries, but we thought, let's see what we can do in South Africa first. Um, and ran that for a good couple of years and then um, grew and grew and grew and delivered more mixed cases and with more tasting notes and built up more and more craft beer fans and then started working very closely with the beer country guys, Greg and Carl. So we started making large amounts of content. And then in about 2016, we developed the Tasting League, which was I think at that stage, it was kind of a 15, 16 idea, but it was, we are, if we wanted to be profitable, which we, up until that stage, we were just beer charity, but if we wanted to be profitable, we needed to kind of reduce our marketing costs. So we reached out to the community and wanted to see if the community would help us build the gospel of craft beer, and they did. And we started yeah. this thing called the Tasting League where uh, we just had these craft beer influencers join us and help get people to drink craft beer and discuss it and talk about it. And also, like, one of the things with League of Beers is being online and digital. You're kind of missing the core beer occasion, which is you and your buds having a couple of beers, right, uh, and discussing it. Um, and so the discussing factor was the discussion factor was there because we had the tasting notes and we had the, in excuse me, the interesting beers. But we thought, let's see if we can make, like, a big bar room chat on social media and that was the goal of the tasting league so that then carried on and then in around 2017 uh, i had the opportunity to start steel cut spirits and sugarbird which had a massive high and a massive low uh, soon after that i also started tiny keg and that kind of pulled me away from yappy chef so i handed over things at yappy chef and handed over league of beers uh, and the tasting league kind of stayed owned by the tasting league but i kind of slowly stepped away to work on sugarbird and tiny keg canning um, and that's the last time you and I spoke was as tiny as Sugarbird was busy exploding uh, in a good way. Um, then Sugarbird exploded in a bad way, which was last year with um, strange, dodgy business partners who liquidated that business to get it for themselves. Uh, and then in lockdown, uh, there was your, obviously your liquor bans. But when the liquor bans opened, League of Beers went absolutely crazy uh, on Yuppie Chef, and it was this almost revival of league of beers which had from about 2017 had been a bit more quiet but in 2000 2020 all of a sudden there was, there was this big revival and um there was just a huge demand for beer delivered to your door which <laughs> that was the original reason we started league of beers was first to deliver beer to your door then to bring the brewer and the consumer closer together and then to kind of spread the gospel for craft beer but in that goal number one which is beer delivered to your door uh, lockdown and all those changes and people ordering from home just changed dramatically for the good. And e-commerce picked up massively in South Africa, and that's where a lot of Yappy Chef's recent success came from. But the problem for Yappy Chef is that they're built to 
sell a certain amount of KitchenAid mixers in a day and Vustoff knives and um, and Lucrece um, and all this like really good, really high-end stuff that has high margin and low relative weight. And so it's very good for e-commerce. Whereas they were now selling tons of beer, more beer than they could handle. And so they were shipping out more beers than they were all these other items. And the beer was to a degree holding up a bit of the warehouse. So the, the throughput of the warehouse, which is an amazingly designed system, can also only h- handle so much volume. And when all that volume is getting cu- is coming from beer, you're therefore not seen to your normal customers. So they turned around to me and said, guys, we, we need to make a plan here. And um, uh, we went into discussions to see how we could solve this League of Beers thing to make it work for Yuppie Chef. And eventually it came down to Yuppie Chef's strategy is to be the leading force in e-commerce and customer service, but in high-end kitchenware, like the knives and the KitchenAid mixers and all these things. And they eventually said, well, guys, would you like it back? And I jumped at the opportunity, never thinking that it would ever be possible that I could have the business back. Uh, and so towards the end of last year, we bought League of Beers back. And Becca and I, um, with another partner, Matt Schall, and we've also been joined by John Cherry, the, the famously of Cherry Flavor. Um, and all of us had been involved in Steel Cut Spritz. All of us were a bit scarred from the events of that. Uh, and so we were quite keen to get League of Beers going. And then all of a sudden, Wave 3 kicks in and there's a liquor ban. Um, so that just put all our plans on hold and we basically had to spend our remaining very few pennies very wisely uh, on what we could do to rebuild our business. But we've got to a point, really, I mean, you and I spoke this past Saturday. Last week, Friday, we we managed to secure investment into League of Beers, which will enable us to re reinvigorate and relaunch League of Beers. And that's actually what we're doing right now. So I can imagine that uh, once you had left Yappi Chef, uh, you and Zeka, that um, they didn't really have the people to, uh, to to run an operation because it is such a specific, you need such specific skill sets and contacts, I guess, or was it not a problem for them? So it was and it wasn't. Um, the people who took over from us, so a buying manager by the name of Brendan came in and he was he's really passionate about League of Beers and booze and he's a kind of guy who homebrewed back in the day but he's also a professional retailer and so he was very much behind it and uh, Kayla who took over for me also really passionate about League of Beers and passionate about making it work and passionate about craft producers in South Africa so their their hearts were in the right place and I'd say there was some good skill um but the company also changed direction. And that's that's also sort of why I stepped away to do my own thing again was I could see the company's direction was going in a different direction and it wasn't aligned to the direction of League of Beers. So one of the chats I had to Andrew, who's the, one of the founders, was like, you guys are going in a different direction. I'm not part of that direction. I think it makes sense for me to do something else. And he completely agreed. So it was more the, the strategy of the company than the manpower. So... I would say that the only difference with Evan Zek and I was still there is we would have been dragged kicking and screaming if they'd made us stop doing League of Beers. So maybe it was easier without us there. But in terms of talent and passion, that was still there after we walked away. Okay. And and uh, now it's obviously a Durban-based company and not a Cape Town-based company anymore. <laughs> well, so the founders and a lot of the core original members are all from KZN, right? Are they? Um, yeah, yeah. So they're all living in Cape Town and they become... They've become inadvertent carbons born and bred Catonians, but the, a, a big core of Yuppie Chef, in fact, like some of the most important people actually come from KZN and, and they kind of all know each other from there. So there's always been that link as much as they seem like a very Cape Town company. Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, there's the head of finance, the two joint MDCOs, the head of the sourcing company, um, the head of tech, all of these guys are from KZN. There used to be even more. Um, but yeah, so it, it looks, it's always looked like a Cape Town company, but it's, it's not, it's more KZN, but also just to that, right? So to demystify the Yappy Chef purchase. The reason for the Yappy Chef purchase is that, first of all, Mr. Price have money. Second of all, Mr. Price play very strongly in certain markets in South Africa. And there's certain markets that they've just not been able to break into because it's not part of their core competencies. Whereas that really high-end consumer, Yappy Chef owns that and is a very rich, very dense in a good way, as in like they've got very willing and very active consumers. They don't have gazillions of subscribers. They've got, let's call it half a million of, and that's a a rough number, a half a million of truly passionate high-end individuals. So for Mr. Price, it was really just a, we need you in our revenue stream and we need you speaking to these people, but we need you to carry on with your business as you'd always carried on with it. So that is really the plan. The plan is not Yappy Chef integrated into Mr. Price or Mr. Price integrated into Yappy Chef or anything of the sorts. It's still a, still a standalone business running uh, as good as it used to be. Yeah, and I mean, on the negative side, maybe some of the founders don't have the same amount of equity, but I know like. There are people who still have some degree degree of skin in the game. But now, all of a sudden, their bank balance is about 100 times the size of what it was before. So they can do a lot more. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, yeah. All, so it's altogether a positive thing. And was this at the same time when, when you bought it back, when, when they were negotiating with Mr. Price? It was all part of it. It was all it was yeah. very similar sort of time. that was Their, their strategy changed in direction. Um was influenced by discussions with Mr. Price, not influenced by Mr. Price, because that's legally a, um, a gray area for them, right? So just for the sake of clarity, they were having these type of discussions and were thinking around the longer term of those discussions. And that also influenced uh, the desire to part with ways with League of Beers, part ways with League of Beers. And is the liquor business still going? Yes, um, we do a lot of business with them. Um, they're still doing really nicely in gin. Um, okay. they've finally grown a whiskey portfolio which is something that we always wanted to do um, we think we've figured out a solution for them in wine um, and generally that side is working for them because a lot of those things, wine and spirits all have higher margin and higher cost to weight ratio so they're just better for e-commerce whereas beer, I mean when we started League of Beers people thought we were idiots because we're like it's big and heavy and relatively low cost, it just doesn't make sense for e-commerce but our belief was that there was a need for, for craft beer and there was people were struggling to get their hands on it and there would be a passionate community would build behind it and we were luckily proven to be right. And we've been wrong about a lot of things, but luckily we were right that people loved craft beer in South Africa. They do, but I agree it's it's a stupid business model. Beer, <laughs> cheap beer. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. You, but you, you, um, you have also on the side started Tiny Keg, which I guess is part of the solution for League of Beers going forward. I mean, it's a nice oh, big time. Uh, addition. So, I mean, the, really the people in who've invested in us are Tiny Keg investors, and it's because um, they would like, for Tiny Keg, being able to invigorate the market into canned products, canned wine, canned beer, canned soft drinks, canned ready-to-drink, canned hard seltzer. Like, the, the education element of that is big for them, but also the ability to put product into people's hands and generate sales for their customers makes a lot of sense for Tiny Keg. And I mean, Tiny Keg was partially born, was almost from my side. I mean, there was three of us who founded it. It was 
myself, Tom Riley, and Yellow Partners. But from my side, it was an evolution of League of Beers. Um, and it was in those days, the, the League of Beers tie-in was always going to be, if we can put these things into cans, they're going to last much longer. And the logistics, the logistic costs are going to be far, far less. So like as an example, if you send a, uh, if you send a, a League of Beers 12-pack of beers and bottles, your distribution logistics cost is going to be about 100-ish rand. Uh, if you do that in cans, it's anywhere between 40 and 60 rand. So the, the saving can be passed on to the consumer, which is fantastic, which means you can sell more. Yeah, that's a massive discount, eh? or mm. massive saving. I mean, if, uh, the way I think about a pallet, right? If you, if you ship a pallet of bottles, a pallet can hold a ton. If you ship a pallet of bottles around the world, you tend to be able to get about 1,400, 1,500 bottles in a pallet, beer bottles. If it's cans, I've seen minimum 2,000 all the way up to 2,800 on a, on a pallet. So it's just mm. way more efficient. Yeah, and one can see it if you look at imported beers, if you look at a, um, at a, at a can, imported can versus an imported bottle, it's nearly double the price. Yeah, yeah. And I think you, if you just, as an example, the Erdinger beers, if you look at the 500 ml uh, bottle, it's, it's about 50 rand, and I've seen the can for 20 rand. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So your first uh, relaunch now or your little uh, project that you started was with Norman Goodfellows? We were thinking about if we were to relaunch League of Beers, what would be the order in which we were to do it? And we had a rough idea, right, which I'll share with you in a sec. Then I ended up speaking to Norman Goodfellows and in a call I was busy pitching festive products at them and mixed gin and mixed wine, uh, knowing that we can get these things off the tiny keg line because tiny keg cans a lot of wine so we can put cool mixes together. And and Jason said to me, um, uh, what if you could do something with beer? And I said, well, yeah, that's actually a, a cool idea. Like if anybody can do mixed beer, it's, it would have to be us. And we've got all these boxes and we've got all the contacts. So we said, cool, let's do it. So a week later, we delivered our first mixed case in about six months. So League of Beers last shipped a mixed case in about October, November last year before kind of closing down. And <clears throat> this... We put together a mixed case in record time, and it's it is some things were exactly the same, some things were very different. But we had the boxes, we had to get some inserts. We teamed up with our distributors, as uh, Wakala Distribution. We I I didn't have Carl from Beer Country to type the notes, so I had to write our tasting notes. So the the, the copy comes from a, a sense of passion for beer, but not a sense of skilled copywriter. When Carl was writing them for from from the Beer Country side, they were very much out of a sense of passion mixed with skill. Um, so we've taken a few steps back there, but then we put a mix together and it was a kind of a rare exclusive mix, <clears throat> some stuff from Banana Jam, some stuff from Old Potters, um, stuff from Zocalo themselves. Um, uh, we had to throw in a Jack Black because it's Father's Day and you don't want to confuse the fathers too much. And then even something from Kennel Brewery, which is really, really, he, that guy makes some wacky beers. So we, we try to make it a, it's going to be a Father's Day promotion, so fathers are going to like it, but the true, true and true League of Beers customers got to get something in there that'll test their taste buds and also something they wouldn't be able to get their hands on normally. Um, so we put that together and that kind of proved to us that, hey, this part one of strategy of let's provide League of Beers to other people could actually work, right? So before we relaunch a whole big website and get the subscriptions going on a monthly basis, why don't we just speak to a few retailers and see who wants to, who wants to offer 
once off League of Beers mix cases to their customers. And so each one we do, uh, no matter who it'll be for, will be completely unique. And so that there'll be a completely different curation geared for that that customer of that database, which is very true to Space Between Drinks, the business that I currently am part of. It's very true to kind of understand your consumer and building something for them. And so that's phase one is let's this year try and get different retailers at different times to have their own curated mix and we throw it together for them and deliver their beers and let them send it to their customers. So that, that's phase one. And, and how did that work? I mean, you did something similar with Tiny Keg last year or the year before. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Essentially, it's the same thing, except you didn't have the this, this strong branding, I guess, of League of Beers. Yeah, so I mean, Tiny Keg was a new brand. So what we first did with Tiny Keg and the goal of building craft beer, which is kind of the direction we're now going with wine as well, but mm. what we first did was um, let's get together a League of Beers-like mix on a monthly basis and make it available in retailers. So participating re- retailers like Mike with Topps Hillcrest, um, like Liquor City Claremont, like Topps Radio Corp, like Rudon Liquors, um, these, these kind of guys who have been big supporters of craft beer, Let's give them a selection of five to ten different canned craft beers every month. So that was kind of one of the first things we did with Tiny Keg. Um, then, um, then the next thing was at the end of the year, and that was the end of 2018, I think, it was 2019, 2019. We we pulled together twelve, I think it was twelve different beers, and put them in a Tiny Keg branded mix box. Um, so that was very League of Beer-esque, but we pre-planned each of those beers. So they were special edition beers for us. And then last year, Murray Slater, who's sort of took my role from from Tiny Keg as I kind of stepped away, uh, pioneered something where they went, they kind of collab brewed six different beers mm. at one brewery and developed a range of sleeves. It's almost like a taste by numbers mm. in a six-pack box that they made available to retail. So we've been, the mixed beer thing hasn't, disappeared completely because there's always consumer interest in it but uh, that's that's kind of what we've done with tiny keg in the interim and so our moving forward with league of beers and league of beers will also launch a kind of a a broader mix of online of going into getting into the wine side of things because we're a great wine drinking country and get into the gin side of things and start doing a similar thing to league of beers where we're driving education of canned wine and and craft gin and beer tequila or sorry, agave spirit in South Africa. So we're kind of following the ethos of, of League of Beers, driving that heart of League of Beers and doing that for craft beer, but trying to do that in other craft drinks categories as well. So Rob, a quick question. The, you, you're using the, or, you, or you've used the top kind of speciality retailers. Is this a solution for the less sophisticated retailer or less specialized retailer? Um, I think so. I mean, I can think of a prime example who's interested in what we're doing as well. And and so, like, um, I, I see it working better online, but it doesn't have to be an online thing. And so um, your you're more mainstream retailers, I mean, we, we could do these kind of things with independence, like Topps Hillcrest would get behind something like this, I would think. I mean, Mike's a big supporter of the craft industry, but um, even big retailers like Macro are always interested in things like this, you know. So you can, we can do it very niche with with uh, Yappy Chef or with uh, Normal Goodfellows or with a small group of independents. But it's it's almost like 
speak to the retailer, find out, get to understand what their consumer wants and kind of put that together for them in a way that makes sense for them, you know? So it, like with Norman Goodfellows, it was for Father's Day. So we weren't going to go crazy, hazy IPAs and, and mm. like double, double, double strength start. I mean, what, like, what's not double strength? So what am I calling it now? Imperial starts and stuff like that. We were like, let's make this thing a, a, approachable, but still interesting, you know? Whereas if it's something for the five top independent craft beer retailers in Africa, we're going to make that thing pretty crazy, you know? Yeah. So, so as an example, so yeah, I mean, so, and, and phase one is let's make legal beers available to retailers. Uh, phase two is what can we do in wine and, and, and gin and, and agave and other things like that. Then the phase three is relaunching our subscriptions. Um, and then after that, it's kind of seen, okay, so where do we take it from there? How do we then scale this thing further? How do we really kind of take this thing to the next level? Because we, we're not likely to open an e-commerce store again because there's a lot of competition there and that's a whole business on its own. We, we really want to focus on these kind of bespoke curations, be it for our own database or be it for somebody else's database. Mm. And my wish for you guys is really that your craft beer charity becomes a business because if it's not a business it's it can't continue and so in a way so you're right so that was always one of the stuff up i mean for years with league of beers we only lost money um and then when we developed the kind of the beer of the month club and brewers were willing to come in for a slightly better price we could pass that on to consumer and actually get a bit of margin and then when we did our marketing through the tasting need that enabled us to save money as well so we had worked on ways to make League of Beers a profitable venture, but for most of League of Beers' existence, it was the opposite. As you say, it was craft beer charity. But so a lot of League of Beers is passion-driven. Um, but when you start moving to spirits and other alcohol types, you can actually make a bit of margin. So it's almost like the building the the, the kind of the, the place to be for craft exploration. Um, and having the ability to do that in other types of liquids, then we can hopefully make money through that while still supporting beer lovers like myself and yourself. Yeah. And the, so. the, the, the tiny keg beer business, has that grown? Is it, is there, how is that going? Well, I'd say it's stable. Um, so tiny keg was built on beer and was, and moved forward in that direction. But, I think the thing is, when, when we had this idea for Tiny Keg, I, I still had a belief that craft beer would continue to skyrocket in growth in South Africa. And I think lockdown and various different things proved that wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, it, various industries are under challenge. But also, South Africans are largely wine consumers and wine producers and wine aficionados. So that's actually the direction that the Tiny Keg went, is more supply and value to the wine industry. And... A lot of it is canning wine here and exporting it. But so let's call it part of League of Beers' new mission is how can we help educate the South African consumer that wine in a can is, is also better? Yeah. Um, you know, try and get trying to build a bit of a culture for that here. And like then you can have single serves and products not getting oxi oxidized, you know, so that kind of thing. So as much as there's this big driver for craft beer and League of Beers, it's really thinking about like can can our bag of tricks and our skill set be of value to other industries and other producers. And in South Africa, it is just such a such a wine culture. It seems to make sense. Yeah, definitely. And if it's, I mean, you're based in the Cape, so it's it's a natural 
natural um, area to to invest in. Rob, where yeah. can, where can people f- follow you? Is it still League of Beers on all the social media platforms? Yeah. So um, as you know, we're currently available as a product in Norman Goodfellows, um, and that's in their stores and online. So all these stores would, in, in in all the regions. Yes, yes, we've delivered to KZN, being the region that is often the outlier. <laughs> so um, we're in all Norman Goodfellow stores and online, and we would hugely appreciate the support, either tweeting or Instagramming or actually buying a case. It, it, all of it is much, much appreciated. Um, in terms of following League of Beers, yeah, all of that is live again. So at League of Beers, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And if you want to engage in a conversation, obviously at Tasting League, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're not yet on TikTok, <laughs> so I think, I think we'll think about that. Uh, and I'm on my normal at Rob Haynes, although I'm far more quiet on social media than I used to be. <laughs> well, thanks. It was great catching up with you. And uh, once you have um, your plans are more concrete, we can we can catch up again and just keep everybody informed and yeah please go and support the league of beers at norman goodfellas in Joburg and cape town and durban thanks rob thank you very much cheers cheers